0: Yeah, does it please God or does it displease God? That, that's what godliness and ungodliness come down to, yeah. which is why it, it, that word is so helpful, godliness. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what is like God? What, what pleases God? That, that is, like you're saying, objectively defined for us in God. Not what do I like, what right. pleases me, Right. what pleases God, what displeases God. That, that is the standard that we are then to conform to.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Make and Multiply. Uh, my name is Matt Groon, and I am a pastoral resident here at Emmaus Road Church. I'm joined again today by my friend Ryan Chase, who is pastor at Emmaus Road Church. Um, and it is, we come now to the end. <laughs> we wow. come now. Isn't that crazy? We come to the final shaping virtue from the Sovereign Grace Journal. Um, it's been, I think this, this has been so edifying for for me and for my soul to walk through these things is just Indeed. A, a helpful reminder, again, that these are not things that we can produce on our own, but rather f- discernible, which is a key word, discernible fruit produced, evidence produced from the work of the spirit, yeah. the work of the gospel in each of our lives. So it's been an opportunity for uh, like my MC has been walking through these um, about once or twice a month. Mm um just a chance to talk with the people that you're actually doing life with to about these very things so uh we pray that God would um bless us as we mm-hmm. continue to think on these things but we do come to the last uh the last virtue and that is chapter 8 in the sovereign grace journal godliness subtitled becoming more like jesus which is is, is the goal of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, written by Josh Pinnell, who's a pastor at Trinity Fellowship in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, I had a chance to get to know Josh, uh, when he came and visited, uh, during the PC last year, actually, uh, you may not know, or you maybe don't keep up on world news, but it was in the fall of 2021, um, that Ethiopia was actually going through, it was on the brink of civil war. Um, Josh and his family and Michael Granger and his family, who's the Dean of the pastor's college there in Addis Ababa, they were in no uncertain terms being warned. The, your lives could be in danger. Um, so take steps and, uh, uh, Josh actually came to Louisville for just a few weeks. They were, there was a plan for Lowe just to get back out, but it, it worked well for them to get out of the country. And by God's grace, the, uh, the rebels retreated and it all worked out, but I got to know him a little bit there. Uh, and just a sweet guy. Um, and this, you know, put in that context, godliness becomes a, <laughs> a real thing, mm. a very real thing mm. of what it looks like to be godly in the midst of hard circumstances, in foreign circumstances and the like. Um, so Josh, in writing this article on godliness, becoming more like Jesus, in his opening paragraph, he's kind of reminiscing on his time at the pastor's college, and I remember this situation too. Jeff, in that first time we meet at quote unquote orientation, warns us um, to. Uh, he he says this: the moment I'm describing was when Jeff Perswell welcomed us to the Sovereign Grace Pastors College and called our class to put equal emphasis on growth in theology. And Godliness mm. in that year. I, can't, I still can't read First Timothy 4.16 without hearing Jeff's voice urging me away from superficial goodness and toward a truly transformed life. Mm. And, it, and I think that's a helpful way to th- start, to kind of frame it, godliness. Um, not just knowledge, not just knowing more about God, but having that knowledge seep down into our chests, into mm. our hearts, into uh, how hearts that are transformed. Now, mm-hmm. I think this is such a helpful shaping virtue for Sovereign Grace, because for my personal testimony, I grew up in a church in a tradition that I would say has beautiful theology, a solid biblical orthodox. Yeah, I've changed on a few things, but overall, I, I love the, the church I grew up in. But there was something I noticed as I grew older, was just like, man, it doesn't feel like anybody actually Believes it mm-hmm. at least it, not an outward affection for the things that we are declaring. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I came to sovereign because what okay you know in that sense what's the alternative? Do we just abandon theology to pursue feelings? Th- that didn't seem like a viable option. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until I met you, Ryan, and Emmaus Road Church and saw sovereign grace in action that I recognized, oh wow, it it is possible to both desire to know and love know true things and to love those things and have it actually affect my daily Mm, life mm. um so that that was that was a run-up i I think this is a really helpful virtue to to kind of put our arms around of um he says in 86 put simply godliness isn't external conformity it's holistic transformation Mm. jesus wants nothing less than our whole person to be changed into his likeness our actions yes but more than just our actions he wants our desires our affections, our motives and imaginations to be wholly and entirely his. That, that's it. That's it. That that really does get to the to the crux. That what we need is not just obedience or just pure intellect. We need mm-hmm. hearts that love and treasure Jesus that then express itself yeah. in actual tangible actions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Head heart and hands the way we often talk about it when we're talking about being not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. That's Mm a point of emphasis for us in our discipleship huddles. Um, and that whole person, you know, we want to think right thoughts, Mm -hmm. think God's thoughts after him so that our, our minds are renewed by God's word. Um, want our hearts to be affected by that truth. So the name of our church, Emmaus Road, one of the things we love about that Emmaus Road story in Luke 24 is that comment those two disciples make to one another, did not our hearts burn within us yeah. as we walked with him on the road and he opened to us the scriptures. Yes. As the scriptures are opened, they're not just thinking interesting thoughts, their hearts are affected. They They burn with Desire and and passion. There there is impassioned orthodoxy, mm. thinking true thoughts that affects the heart. And then there's a a response. It, it comes out our hands as well, the way that we live. So those two disciples, after they realized this was Jesus, they had left Jerusalem. They traveled to this village called Emmaus, seven miles. It was night. They had already sat down, eaten dinner. They got up and went back to Jerusalem. Everything changed for them. There, right. there was a change of direction and behavior mm-hmm. in their lives as a result of that. So it's holistic, whole person mm-hmm. being affected. And, and I think that's a helpful starting point as we've done with all of these. You have to, at some point define what exactly is this virtue. When we're talking about godliness. Mm-hmm. What do we mean? Yeah. Um, cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> is a, uh, probably what comes to mind for a lot of people. Sure. (laughs) Godliness is being like God. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and specifically like Josh is saying here, um, our thoughts, our motives, our desires, our conduct, Mm -hmm. all of those things can conform to, or be out of line with God and and what he's like and what he approves of. So most simply, you know, ungodliness is wickedness, Mm -hmm. sin. It is what God hates, um, violating God's law. Godliness is conforming to God and what God loves, what God approves of. Uh, and just that idea that in our thoughts and our motives and our actions, those all can be more or less like God, right? We, we can do all those things in ways that God loves or ways that God hates. Um, so even just thinking like God's attributes, mm-hmm. certainly there, there are things about God that we aren't and, and can never be. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is eternal, um, self-sufficient, all, all of those things. But he has other attributes that um, we can share in. God is love and he commands us to love one another. Right. Um, God is holy and he commands us to be holy as he is holy. Um, God is perfectly wise and he makes it possible for us to, Grow in wisdom, so so godliness is really just broadly becoming more and more like God,
1: right? In those attributes that He does share with us, right? In 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 theological terms, we're talking about sanctification, Mm -hmm. the the process of becoming more and more sanctus, holy, becoming more like God. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, and Josh does this really well, and I think this is appropriate. Make just reiterating, there are differences between. Justification mm-hmm. and sanctification, because what we're talking about with sanctification is really what we've been talking about with all these virtues. These are products of a life that has been transformed by the right. gospel and are meant to be discernible. There, you know, Paul commands us to rejoice in the Lord. There mm-hmm. are commands to love one another and to encourage one another and to serve. Those aren't to be disobeyed; that they must be obeyed, but not to the end of our justification. That mm-hmm. that distinction between our justification, our legal status before God, where he, at our conversion, at the cross, declared, you are righteous. Mm. You are, I see you as righteous because Christ took our sin and dealt with it, and now we get Christ's righteousness and are seen before God as holy and righteous, legally speaking. Yeah. However, in time and space now, I, because of that event is true, it, it, there's an ongoing process now of of becoming more and more like Christ, mm-hmm. but we don't do these things. This godliness is, it does not affect our legal status before God. Cause yeah. I, and he just, he makes that point, which I think is helpful. He says, we don't obey so that God will love us. Yeah. We obey because he already loves That's us yeah. um, to, because there's a temptation to hear you must be godly mm-hmm. or you must obey any command and to think, well, I'm I'm free in Christ, or I've I've is. Are you telling me I have to earn my salvation? The answer, of course, is no. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to think through as we talk about godliness. We're keeping those categories yeah. distinct. This is partly why theology matters, because Absolutely. you have to have those things distinct because it affects our motivations. Because if 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 I don't, if those things mix, my motivation to obey is now to earn from earn love from God mm-hmm. rather than out of abundance of the love I've already. Received, Yeah. It
0: helps to think of two ditches mm. that you could fall into on either side of the road. On the one hand would be thinking that um, y- you are accepted by God, forgiven by God, justified. Your salvation depends on your own production of, of godliness mm. um, by your works. Um, so that, that's legalism yeah. and that's one ditch to avoid. So I love how he Points that out, yes, God requires godliness in us, but we are justified already in Christ, and the progress that you've made in your sanctification is not affecting how forgiven you are, how right. saved you are. Right, um, your, your justified status, God graciously maintains that on your best days and your worst days, yes. because your righteousness is Christ. But the other ditch that we can fall into, like you're you're mentioning there, is that thought that well, because you know, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. Um, God just loves me as I am. Hmm. I'm justified in Christ. So it doesn't matter. You can fall into an antinomian yeah. idea that, um, th- th- there are no commands that I have to obey. God doesn't care if I grow in godliness at all. Um, and, and in that ditch, people think any talk of godliness is legalism, right? They just equate obedience to God with legalism. And I think that's crucial to clarify, Trusting God and obeying him is not legalism. Right. Legalism is when you are, uh, depending on your works, to earn you some payment from God, some right. you know, the reward of, of salvation. But trusting God, taking him at his word, and obeying him is not legalism. So yes, God does require godliness. And so navigating that, staying on that, that path, avoiding either of those two ditches, legalism on the one hand or kind of an antinomian license on the other mm. um it it it's the grace of god and Josh quotes my favorite passage on this is yes. titus 2 11 through 14 which says the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people so that that's not abstract right. grace that's grace in christ christ has appeared christ is the grace of god in flesh yes and he has appeared bringing salvation for all people so that that's our redemption our justification the very next Part of that sentence, Paul says, and training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So the very same grace that saves us in Christ is the same grace that trains us. Mm -hmm. And it trains us to put off ungodliness and worldly passions, and it trains us to grow in and increase in godliness and self-control. And then later on in that verse, Paul says... um, Christ gave himself up for us to redeem us from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Right. So Paul, who is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and not by works, Amen. says Christ died to have a people who are zealous for good works, not saved by good works, but saved into good works right. and, and zealous about good works. That right. magnifies the saving and training or sanctifying
1: grace of God. Right. He does the same. I'm reminded also of uh, Ephesians chapter two, where in the first three verses, he highlights our status before salvation. We were dead in our trespasses in in the ways in which you once walked following mm-hmm. the course of this world, this complete and utter depravity and yeah. death. But God, verse four, being rich in mercy, he made us alive. And so he goes through our salvation, all leading up to verse 8 through 10, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, like you were saying, mm-hmm. but so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, not yeah. because of our own doing, but because created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Mm. So there is a... Um, there, that's that helpful distinction between justification sanctification. I think yeah. of the new covenant promise in um, Ezekiel thirty-six of, I will put my spirit within them. He's the, God's the chief doer, and I will cause them to walk in my ways and obey my statutes. Mm-hmm. So. God's the one who gets glory in our obedience. Yeah. That's what's critical. That's the biblical evidence over and over and over again says we do not do it. It's God working in us through his spirit. That's mm. Ezekiel 36 in order to produce in us good works. And it's a training process. That's what Titus, that Titus two passages, it's training us to say yes to godliness and no to lawlessness. Right. And it's a, as he said, for Jesus appeared purifying for himself. There's a, a yeah. process about it. Yep. Yeah, so it's it's, it it is an expression again.
0: As we've said with all of these virtues, it's rooted in the gospel. This this is a fruit that God produces in us through Christ, who gave Himself for us, and it magnifies the grace of God in the gospel when we grow in in practical holiness. I like the the line Josh uses here, page eighty seven. He says, "We become practically who we already are positionally." Yes, that was good. Appreciate a good alliteration Hmm. and and that that's a helpful way to put it Um, positionally we are already in Christ forgiven of all our sins counted righteous Uh, our our salvation is not in jeopardy in Christ practically speaking in my day-to-day life my behavior my speech my attitudes it's possible for somebody to be justified in Christ and then practically in everyday life not yet very sanctified. You know, right. it, sanctification is a process and we are all at some point in that process with remaining sin that still needs to be addressed and sinful attitudes and remaining unbelief and idolatry. And, and so godliness is that process of practically yeah. in the everyday life. So I, I think of sanctification as like, that's where the rubber meets the road. You right. think about a car, lots of stuff in a car under the hood, the engine that powers everything, the tires, are are the, you know, you could argue the most critical piece because yes. everything else under the hood, the, the car doesn't go anywhere. The only part of the car that touches the ground is the tires. And if the wheels fall off, it ain't going anywhere. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you have under the hood. And so, you know, sanctification is the, this is where the rubber meets the road for right. us in, in our homes, in our marriages, in our parenting, in, in the workplace, in our relationships with friends and, and neighbors. Um, that's where we're, we're living life. And that's where Godliness counts. That's where godliness comes out. Yeah.
1: I, I feel his his section titled "The Urgency of God, of Godliness" was was helpful because sanctification, this pro this virtue in particularly in particular highlights the. Um, it comports with our everyday lives. Yeah. Like as a Christian, I recognize at least a thoughtful one that, oh yes, I am justified before God. My, my position is not dependent on me. And yet I still wake up and experience temptation and mm-hmm. or, I still am, get frustrated and I still am angry or mm-hmm. what I still experience sin. So it, it, it makes sense of my actual quote unquote, without in scare quotes around this lived experience mm-hmm. is like, it makes sense of my life in the sense that I I I know things to be true and yet I experience the fight of faith. Mm-hmm. Um and if if we don't keep those categories separate, I might say in my temptation, am I saved? Mm. Do I have any hope? Right. No, th- th- that's not true. That 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 will cut me off at the knees and mm-hmm. thinking and actually um undermine my confidence in Christ. So keeping these categories distinct is is pivotal mm. and considering the, ur- the urgency is helpful because I, I recognize that, like Isaiah, I I am a un- I have unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. There's yeah. temptation, it feels like, around every corner. And there's no, we cannot be passive in this because we are either going to kill sin in us by the power of God and, and the Spirit, or sin will be killing us. I think that he quotes, yep. of course, from John Owen in The Mortification of Sin, which is just. I think it's a requirement if you're talking about godliness to yeah. quote John Owen, um, where he says, "Do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it whilst you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you." Yeah, that, that's a helpful thing.
0: Yeah, the urgency of godliness, as as Josh puts the heading on this section, he's making the point that um, there, this is not an optional right? Part of the Christian life. So right. scripture really does say things like Romans eight thirteen, if we live according to the flesh, we will die. Mm. Or Ephesians 5, 5, everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So it's not optional. You, you can't say, well, uh, God has forgiven me Therefore, I can live however I want and I right. can continue in hard-hearted rebellion and unrepentant sin. That would be an indication that you haven't understood or trusted in or experienced the saving grace of God in your life. The, the same grace that saves is the grace that goes on training us. So if that's absent, this is another um, condition we, we see prevalent in broader evangelicalism in America. This idea that, well, I I prayed the prayer once, I gave my heart to Jesus. Now I just live however I want to. But since I prayed the prayer, I must be going to heaven because God, God forgives me. Um, and, And there's no evidence of God's grace functioning in people's lives to produce this godliness. So no, our salvation is not dependent on our works, but salvation does. Result in real yeah. godliness and in our you, lives,
1: and as you said, sanctification is this. We're all on this. Those who have been saved, we're all on this continuum. I, I think of First Corinthians one, where Paul says, um, "For the for the for the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, mm. it is the very power of God." Now, I don't think what Paul is meaning to communicate there is your your salvation, your actual. Um, justification is on this continuum but more talking about that continuum of becoming more and more like Christ it has a a more the the, present tense the more we grow in our godliness the sweeter the gospel becomes to us Um, but I think yes you have an entrance into that path but it is a path Mm -hmm. and it is not you know at at your justification when you're saved you're not just all right now choose your own adventure towards godliness right there is a Path. And Jesus makes that clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody mm. comes to the Father except through me. So there, is, there are uh, parameters around what our godliness must look like. Yeah. So that informs me in some senses of saying, I can't. my, my path towards godliness is not just whatever makes me feel right. Mm. Or there, there are ways I may have to say no to things mm. and yes to other things that might be... Um, at odds with what I feel like it yeah. should be. But that's the beauty of the external reality, the objective reality of the gospel, right. is that it exists outside of us. And the means of that thing is the word. Hmm. The, the centrality of the gospel given to us in this book, this, this Bible, this revelation of God, is the thing that governs those virtues, those impulses. Right. Those, it says no. That's what says no to, to this and yes to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, does it please God or does it displease God? That that's what godliness and ungodliness come down to. Yeah, which is why that word is so helpful. Godliness, Mm -hmm. um, what what is like God? What what pleases God? That that is like you're saying, objectively defined for us in God, not what do I like? What pleases me? Right. What pleases God? What displeases God? That that is the standard that we are then to conform to, and and the hope that we have in this is that, um this is a work of God's spirit by his grace in us. Like this, God is pleased to make us more and more like Mm. Christ in our actual lives. And so at the end of this article, Josh has some just practical suggestions. How do you grow in godliness? And one of them uh, is confession. Mm. And and he makes the point that confession, um, you know, this is my, my paraphrase of it, it well, I'll just read page 93. He says, the purpose of confession is never self-condemnation, but worshipful celebration and fresh reminders that Jesus died for all our sins on the cross. that changes everything. I, oh, man. I, I think that many of us have the tendency to think of confession and repentance as this big um, production, kind of this sackcloth and ashes, just mope around and yeah. try to prove to God how miserable I am and how unhappy and, and, you know, remorseful and sorrowful. I am. And, and, and it becomes this, this big thing of trying to convince God that I feel really bad Mm. rather than confession just means to say with God, what God says, God is the standard. If God says that's sin, that's ungodly. This is righteous. This is good. This is godly. This pleases me. Then confession is saying with God, I, I did this. I lost my temper. That's sinful. That displeases you. You say that's displeasing to you. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I'm in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Forgive me. Right. And then immediately having the assurance because of our justified status that has not changed at all. First John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive
1: us our yeah. sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right. Which is synonym to ungodliness. And if we sit and after sinning and confessing, and we sit and wallow in our in our sin or in our confession, just oh man, I just I just really screwed up. it actually makes a mockery of that forgiveness right? because the forgiveness like first John it's free and full and it is in abundance and and, scandalous and it's incredible that now it's done away with Yep. as far as the east is from the west that's how far I've removed your sin from me says God so that should then change our demeanor that should change our behavior and lead us in further along in godliness those that last section which is the means of godliness well how how do we access this he you know he highlights meditation on the word Mm -hmm. which we've you know we've talked about in the past you just mentioned confession that third one is the one i think we should maybe zero in on as we end is community um being around other believers because Mm -hmm. all of these virtues we've walked through and and none the least godliness is meant to be expressed in discernible other ways or others focused You, Mm -hmm. you can't exercise these virtues yeah. on an island on your own yep. you can't just go off into the woods and say i'm gonna i'm gonna encourage That's right. the trees no you can't it inc- requires other believers right and what's what's hard about that is when you're in community you're a sinner in reaction to other people who are also walking yeah. the same path of sanctification so inevitably there is going to be sin yeah. against one another sin in our hearts frustration anger whatever. Mm-hmm. And those, which is just an incredible. This is why I think he includes this in the means is it's the means by which we begin to grow in the practice of godliness and confession and mm-hmm. forgiveness and love and encouragement and serving and gratitude and all the rest are meant to be done in this community. So I think that's why we cherish and treasure yeah, our community as much as we do because it is the way by which our godliness is progressing as mm-hmm. we have ample opportunity every day in our families and then when we gather as missional communities or in our huddles or on a Sunday morning as the body, are able to express this now to mm-hmm. others just as God commanded. Yeah. And one of the greatest um,
0: threats to real godliness is hypocrisy and self-righteousness like josh talked about wanting wanting to look good uh without actually being godly in in our hearts and so putting on a show outwardly and community uh, you know can come with that temptation i I want others i want to look good i want to look godly in front of others Um, but that's why we value not performative community Mm -hmm. or opportunities to just kind of Uh, have limited interactions with people where we can all put on a happy face and look godly, but sharing everyday life together because it's as you actually relate to others that our our sin gets exposed, our our weaknesses come out. Other people have opportunities to see that and observe Mm -hmm. that and speak into that graciously. And um, so community is both, you know, on the one hand, it's a great temptation to try to perform and, and look godly in ways that we're not actually genuinely in our heart so that other people think highly of us, but it's also by God's design, the very thing as we expose our lives to one another and are known. I, I think you can have that. Like you talked about at the beginning, Jeff Perswell's warning, um, superficial goodness. Yeah. There right. is a way of doing community where everybody is just bent on, just keep the, the appearances. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, another, a deeper level of spiritual community where you're actually known. And, and that's where the, gospel's magnified because when people know your sins and mm-hmm. faults and flaws, it, it forces you to rely on the grace of God alone. Cause you right. just know I'm a mess and people know it and I can't hide it.
1: And I think it's a reality in our, in our culture, in our, in our, in our, in our where we are in history that this is a, um, it's, it's counter to be in a community like a gospel community because we live in a society where technology has allowed us to pick and choose our communities. Yeah, we pick and choose who I commute and and because of technology, we can do that with people all around the world. Mm-hmm. They you know through Twitter and through Instagram, and through TikTok and through whatever and you can means. Curate you can exactly what, you, what can, you post. You can filter by what you post and what you, how you interact with others. How who I want to hang out with, who I want yeah. because then I, it kind of keeps those walls. Up. But what gospel community does is it it puts you in a physical space with physical real people who are also in the process of godliness. Mm -hmm. And like you said, exposes us to one another and ultimately makes us rely on the actual gospel. Yeah. And he he closes here at the end. Um I'll just I'll just read the conclusion. A proper understanding and application of godliness leaves us with a very big view of God and a sober view of sin. The Christ follower in pursuit of godliness never toys with sin, teler- tolerates its presence, nor cherishes the short-term payoff it promises. Rather, with divine energy and personal relentlessness, the believer habitually meditates on God's word, confesses sin, and builds in meaningful community with others. Godliness becomes reality when the gospel is central, not just in our beliefs, but also in our practices. In this way, Every ounce of godliness is because of the incredible work of Christ in our lives. Amen. And, and that could be, the same could be said for all of these virtues that we've been going through these past weeks is none of this is just beliefs we can have in our head. They, they must be enfleshed. Yeah. And the good news of the gospel is that Christ himself enfleshed these. He, he, he took on flesh in order to dwell amongst us and that we have seen his glory and have received from him now grace Mm. upon grace. And so God now, the things he's commanding, he never makes a command of something he will not also give provision for. He never asks us to do anything that he will not also empower us to do by his spirit. So as we gather this week and every week in our missional communities and our huddles and on the Sunday gathering, trust in Christ primarily and his spirit to... Uh, enable us to love one another, to encourage Mm -hmm. one another, to be grateful for one another to show hospitality to one another to to, just to to be godly to one another Mm -hmm. it's just such a reminder and these virtues have been so good to walk through for my soul so amen. thank you for Ryan for just walking us through this and and, uh, yeah, until next time